the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hi, my friends. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the October 9th broadcast. I got to say, you you look at the news, and if you only spend your time concentrating on the news or what we say, the perhaps fake news, you're going to be dejected and saddened. But if you understand God's plans buried within that news, you have every reason to be confident and rejoice. And we're going to be spending some time on this broadcast with you actually chatting about these things uh, with with a with a heart cry to be able to introduce God's Judeo-Christian values within our discussions and give you a great deal of H-O-P-E hope. And to help me do this, I have a newfound friend. He's known as Rick Scarborough. He's also known as Dr. Scarborough with all those letters behind his name, or Pastor Rick as well. Hello, Rick Scarborough. How are you? I'm doing fine, Kaz. What a pleasure to be with you tonight. It's a pleasure indeed. We had an opportunity. Our mutual friend, Dran Reese, um, with Salt and Light Council, introduced us on a radio broadcast that she had you on. And when I heard the things you had to say, I, I said, this man knows stuff. And Dran says, yes, he's a closer. <laughs> and I said, Dran takes a closer to know a closer. So, um, so that was... Are you, uh, sure, are you sure she didn't say poser? A po- <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she said a closer. My listening friend, you and I will discern this as we go on. Rick, there's so much to talk about, but one of the things I like to do is because the Scripture says, especially in urgent times, to blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in God's holy mountain. Uh, this is a time for sounding an alarm, and that alarm says, Church, Ecclesia, wake up. It's time to hear what God's voice says and be quick to obey. And the whole show, I think uh, Dr. Rick Scarborough is going to be designed for people to comprehend what is going on and what God wants us to do individually and collectively. So I thought a shofar blast would be appropriate. Would you mind, uh, Rick? Not in the least. Okay, I'm going to lay a shofar blast on you. My listening friend, if you've been on the show with me before, you know I do this fairly frequently because this is the time for blowing that warning shofar to say, pay close attention God's on the move, and he wants you to move along with him. So here we go as we begin the show. And there you go. So blow the shofar, the trumpet in Zion, and sound the alarm. So not only have we blown the shofar to sound the alarm, I have Dr. Rick Scarborough to help me, and you are hailing from a place called Texas, are you not, Rick? 
uh, we like to call it the uh, heart of the country. <laughs> I think so. I think so as well. Well, you know, what we'd like to do, as you and I have chatted about before, Rick, is give a little bit of opportunity for you to give some insights about the who, why, what, where, when, and how of Dr. Rick Scarborough. And then uh, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to let you talk about the topics that are uh, important for you because as I've heard you talk about these topics, these topics are of utmost importance for our listeners as well. And you have such a way with words. <laughs> well, thank you. Lay it on us a little bit about well, the who, why, what, where, when, and how. You know, I kind of stumbled into the political uh, action that I'm involved in now on my way to being a, a preacher. I I got called to preach while playing football in college, uh, mentored by a great man of God who's now deceased, uh, went on uh as most men do, to a seminary, and from there entered full-time evangelism. And out of evangelism, after 12 years of traveling around the country and around the world, for that matter, uh, kids got a little older, and I decided it was time maybe to settle down and see if some of the theories I had about growing a church would actually work. So (laughs) uh, by God's grace, the door was open for me to go to First Baptist Church of Pearland on the southeast side of Houston, as an evangelist, I, I, I had a very evangelistic thrust. In the first uh, 18 months of uh, pastoring that church, we baptized 500 converts into the church, and things were just going great. Uh, when one day a, a lady asked me at the back of the church, are you going to the high school assembly tomorrow? Well, I wasn't aware there was one, but upon investigation, I decided maybe that was the school assembly that I ought at least monitor. So I asked my associate, Pastor Rod Compton, uh, to monitor the assembly and give me a report. Well, as he came back to my office at about 10 o'clock that morning, uh, just overwhelmed, I was actually interviewing a prospective candidate for our our ministry team from out of the city, and uh, didn't feel like I had time to go to high school assembly that day, but with his urgent uh, appeal, I I passed off to him to go to lunch, and I went to the fifth of five assemblies in that large uh, high school, one of the largest in Texas. And as God would have it, my daughter was seated about halfway between me and the assembly speaker. So I decided whatever, however bad this is, I'm not going to make a scene or get involved. I'll just uh, tape record it. I'd taken a tape recorder with me, and, and I'll address this uh, in, in the proper way later. Well, Kaz, the assembly was so far over the top uh, the young lady was sponsored by the AIDS Foundation of Houston. Uh, she was there to talk about AIDS prevention, but in fact, nothing but a sex, uh, indoctrination class. Uh, she was basically teaching the kids how to have every kind of sex they want, uh, only how to avoid AIDS by, quote, using a condom. My, my. Well, hey, Rick, are you, if you're moving around a little bit, we're, we're in, getting you in and out here. I, so um, it, I, I don't know whether I'll you're. What, then, just off speakerphone, put up. Is that better? Uh, I'll let you know. Continue. Forgive okay. me. We, we've got about uh, no, that's all right. three, three, four minutes left in this segment, Rick. Well, I'll make the short, uh, a long story short. I've written about it. Others have written about it as well. Uh, I got involved with the school speaker, the assembly speaker from the floor. I challenged on some facts that I knew were incorrect. Uh, that caused quite a brouhaha in our community because there were. 500 students in that assembly, including my own daughter, Misty. 
Uh, the following Sunday morning, I read the transcript of that young lady's remarks to our congregation after just, you know, giving them an option to dismiss the children uh, to another setting. We had arranged for that. Uh, little did I know that a Chronicle reporter who had heard about all this uh, brouhaha uh, had showed up. And on the front page of the Metropolitan section of the Houston Chronicle the next day was this full page uh, documenting what had transpired at the local First Baptist Church of Pearland, as I mentioned, a a suburb of Houston. And that launched a a nationwide debate uh, with us right in the center of it. Um, As a result of that high school assembly, I began encouraging our people to get involved. And involved they did. In uh, two election cycles, we controlled the the school board and the city council. Uh, That made a tremendous difference in the direction of both entities. And from there, our people went on and were elected to statewide office and finally to the U.S. Congress, as well as other uh, different uh, levels of government. And we found that the church could make a mighty difference. It wasn't all easy. Uh, We had documentaries produced by our church. Christian Amanpour came and and, uh, followed me around with a camera for about uh, two weeks, which is a little unnerving, to say the least. Uh, Andrea Pelosi, uh, Nancy Pelosi's own daughter, showed up with another camera crew from uh, HBO. Um, As a result of of that one high school assembly, a national movement of mobilizing pastors was born, and that's what I've been doing now uh, since that event that took place in 1992. My we're talking with Rick Scarborough, and Rick, I'm gonna when we come back from the break, I'm gonna have you go off the speakerphone and onto a, a the, the handheld mode. It's a little clearer. My listening friend, okay. I, I wanted to give you an idea a little bit about the background of uh, Doctor Rick Scarborough and his heart cry to to communicate God's truths. And in a school and environment, sometimes people have professed points of view, but when they get into the public setting, they uh, let, you know, let the mask slip, pun intended, I think. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, but how this leads uh, Rick into a position where he wants to identify things early on and communicate God's truths in the midst of fake news. (laughs) We're going to talk more about that when uh, Dr. Pastor Rick Scarborough and Kaz come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, welcome back, my friend. We're having just a little visit with a man out of Texas uh, and a man who actually has traveled around quite a bit and found himself involved in Washington, D.C., in San Diego, California, and other places as well. Rick Scarborough, a well-known Christian, I would call him a political advocate in many ways, a former uh, Texas pastor who was involved in many, many things. He founded a ministry outreach called uh, Vision America and and leads uh, Recover America. So I guess you can tell from the accolades that he cares about America and Americans and our Judeo-Christian values. Uh, Pastor Rick, you were in the middle of telling the story about the uh, school assembly and how people there presenting at the school assembly assembly had ulterior motives. 
and uh, you made a stand, and all of a sudden you were identified in a negative way, but that was God's way of getting uh, coverage uh, of, of God's desire through you, and all of a sudden things blossomed. I'm sure this was adverse to the, the intent of the people that were trying to throw the stones. Uh, Rick Scarborough. Well, that verse comes to mind, uh, but what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. Because yes. As the left began attacking us for what we were doing, it just alerted you know, Christians around the country uh, that uh, someone was finally standing up and speaking out. And I, I never will forget uh, getting a phone call from Dr. Jerry Falwell. He uh, got uh, wind of what we were doing down in, in this suburb of Houston uh, and then began immediately uh, elevating the work. Uh, he carried me all over this country to give uh, three-minute speeches in his in his uh, conferences and various places he was invited to speak. Um, he taught me how to present a, a, a brief message and, and stay by the time because he demanded it. But I learned so much from this godly man. And uh, D. James Kennedy was another. Uh, I had the uh, wonderful distinction of preaching the last two uh, 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 national conferences held at uh, the great uh, church uh, there in uh, Florida that D. James Kennedy pastored before he died. In fact, I was just a speaker at the next to last of his national conferences, and I keynoted the last one uh, that he uh, held just before he died. But uh, these kind of experiences uh, elevated the work, uh, gave me an opportunity to do some writing, uh, speaking on national conference programs. But most importantly, I learned how important it was that Christians be engaged and how important it is for pastors to take the lead. Because, you know, I've said many times, as the church goes, so goes the nation. But a step beyond that is, as the pastor goes, so goes the church. Uh, we have a very weak church in America now, and that's because so few pastors are willing to take their place uh, and speak out on these great moral issues of our day. Uh, they don't want to be political, but the fact of the matter is, uh, virtually everything that is right and wrong, according to the Bible, has become politicized. Oh my! So that abortion, uh, it's it's not uh, just a political issue; it's a moral issue. Uh, this whole thing of of homosexuals coming out of the closet, which preachers have gone back into, uh, is a moral issue. God uh, demands that we speak out on these issues, and uh, there's a cost. Uh, the culture uh, has become very. Uh, Moral, uh, morally reprobate in many ways and embrace so much of this immorality. And uh, it's because the church is, is speaking out on these issues. But uh, the only hope for America to be restored is for the pastor to engage, lead his people to engage. There are more of us than there are of them if we'll stand up, speak up, and refuse to give up. Well, that, well said, uh, Rick. One of the things that uh, I realize is, you know, a lot of people in the, in the past, let's say pre-COVID, uh, the church pre-COVID, it was it seemed to be uh, a standard operating procedure to deal with the uh, social gospel so you didn't have to call people on the carpet that were clearly violating Scripture for the sake of getting them into the church environment and, and hopefully saving their, them from, from that rather than, you know, being honest about the Scripture, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so that uh, they could get a true picture 
of Scripture, we've kicked that can down the road. Many believers and pastors have kind of kicked that social gospel down the road. And right now, we the, the social gospel has been one of the main reasons for where we are in the earth today, in the, this nation today. And, and if you were to take a step back, you know, kicking that can down the road, there's no more road to kick it down right now. If you kick it, you well, kick right. it off the cliff. And that's where we are right now in many ways. Uh, Dr. Scarborough, would you like to talk to that topic just a little bit? We've uh, got uh, five or six minutes left in this yeah, segment. You bet. Um, you know, it, it's tragic, uh, but like sheep, uh, whenever the state came along and said that, that there's this uh, national emergency uh, called COVID-19 yeah. uh, and that we all are all uh, uh, cease assembling ourselves together, I, you know, for a, a week or two, uh, maybe a month or two while we were seeing the course of this disease, uh, it, it was uh, perhaps a good idea for churches to begin doing uh, Zoom messages and, and uh, preaching online so that people wouldn't contract this deadly disease. But there came a time very quickly when we saw that this was was having a negative impact on the life of the church. You know, the Scripture says uh, that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, and all the more so as you see in that day approaching. Well, the day that is approaching, that was described, was, was the end times. As we got closer to the end times, it was all the more urgent for the church to gather and encourage one another unto love and good works. Hebrews 10.25 clearly makes that uh, pronouncement. But instead, the church, and particularly the pastors, began listening to the state and the state uh, took authority over the church. And uh, instead of uh, just putting our foot down and saying, no, uh, we'll gather, we'll follow perhaps a cautious uh, design, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, separate people six feet apart. But to, but to have the state declare that the church was non-essential while liquor stores were declared essential, while Walmart was declared essential, while all of these various uh, big uh, stores were left open, uh, but when it came to going to church, the state said that's a non-essential service. And pastors across America, like sheep, laid down. And now that the churches are open, at least in most places, uh, people aren't coming back like they once did. We have uh, we've created an environment where people feel, feel perfectly comfortable sitting at home, uh, you can't worship at home in the same fashion you can surrounded by the believers. There's too many distractions. Uh, God knew what he was doing when he said gather, because in that gathering environment, uh, there's an, an opportunity to interact, uh, to meet one another's needs, to socially uh, interact. And in that separated state, it's so much easier to pick us off one by one. And we're now seeing the devastating effects of that across America well, it was once the the shining example to the world. Uh, sees the light growing less and less bright, while the evil of our world is being more aggressive. Uh, there are two signs up on major thoroughfares in the city of Houston that my uh, one of my assistants uh, photographed this past week. There's aggressive uh, anti-God atheistic uh, messages portrayed something I've never in my lifetime seen before, but there's no fear of God in the land any longer, 
and the results are predictable. Uh, we're losing ground in every area. Well, and so the question is, how do we reconcile this? I, I have, on the other, uh, on the other hand, Rick, I would say there is a great expectation for perhaps the greatest harvest time that the world has ever seen, and that would really fall into line with the scripture as well. Um, that not the uh, that that the gospel of the kingdom should be preached in all the world, and then the that's end shall come. Right. So, so we're we're looking for this as well. So we're in the midst of kind of a contrary time. On the one hand, especially those believers who have been vigilant and diligent have a great expectation. But on the other hand, uh, if we don't arise to the occasion, we could miss uh, the major emphasis of this great evangelistic move just by being lackadaisical or ignorant. Uh, so w- what do we do for this? I, I think it falls on a couple different sets of shoulders. Of course, Holy Spirit's in control, but a couple different sets of shoulders. One is the are the shoulders of the pastors and leadership, and the other ones are on the shoulders of the ecclesia, the called out ones as well. I would love to talk about this in the next segment, if you'd be so kind. I've kind of given you an overview there. Would you like to rise to that occasion? On uh, how... I certainly would. I look forward to the next segment. Okay. My listening friend, I hope you're understanding that uh, God has called Rick Scarborough to be a an evangelist, but he's also a, a political activist, but he's also a a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has a lot of experience and understanding. We're going to tap into that in the next segment as we talk a little bit more about biblical accountability for you and I when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, my friends, welcome back. We're having a nice chat, but it, it has more depth than just a chat. This is some biblical directives that uh, a newfound friend, Rick Scarborough, is uh, sharing with us. Uh, he's calling in from Texas. He's a well-known Christian political advocate, uh, a uh, former pastor. Uh, he's a founder of Vision America and leads Recover America. And, Rick, we, we kind of set the stage for this segment in the last segment talking a little bit about biblical accountability and I think that would fall on the shoulders not only of the pastors but also the parishioners uh, the saints if you will but I think really first wouldn't it have to fall on the, the pastors because really the pastors are in positions of leadership and ultimately um, they have the accountability and responsibility uh, to feed and properly communicate with the flock what would you, what's your take on this Rick Scarborough I'm delighted you brought this subject up because it's it's uh, near and dear to my heart. There's probably no no one thing that pastors more often resort to when I try to encourage them to get their people registered to vote, informed about the upcoming election and voting, uh, than this idea that well we're living in the last days. We're going to focus on prayer and revival and and um, after all, Rick. Uh, the Bible said it was going to get worse and worse before Jesus comes, and and uh, what they basically implicit are, are, are uh, implicitly uh, say to me is, you know, I'm going to let the world get worse because the worse it gets, the sooner it is before Jesus comes. But my response to that is, uh, we better be careful when we start westernizing Christianity as if 
everything revolved around America. You know, Kaz, uh, I often remind people that uh, two-thirds of the world right now, uh, in two-thirds of the world right now, Christians are living under great persecution. Uh, there were more people martyred for their faith last year than perhaps any single year in the history of Christendom. Say that again. Uh, problem- Say that again. P- listeners, pay close attention to what he's saying. This is going to open your eyes, and you're going to have to ask the question, what do we do about it, Rick? Well, uh, there, there were. I've been told that there were more people martyred last year than any year in the history of Christendom. Uh, we don't think about martyrdom here because we still live in relative comfort. And, you know, our idea of martyrdom is when somebody criticizes on on Facebook or, or uh, uh, takes to some other form of social media uh, to anonymously attack us. But in many parts of the world, uh, Christians right now are dying for their faith, and they believe they're living in the tribulation right now. Um I don't know when Jesus is going to return. I'm not on that committee, and he didn't call me up and give me a date. I do know this. Paul believed he lived in the last days. Peter believed he was living in the last days and wrote about it in the Scripture. I believe we are living in the last days. But a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. God's time frame is not like ours. He's he's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Uh, He doesn't deal in time and space as we do. And here's what I believe is imperative on on us as American Christians. As long as we have the freedom to do so, we should use every ounce of energy and influence we have to redeem the culture. Because this, the the church in America is the one church in the world that literally a revival could explode around the world if we caught fire as God intended. We have the resources, we have the manpower, we have the means to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I believe rather than for us to hover and and wait for Jesus to show up and just let the world go to hell in a handbasket, we ought to stand up and we ought to speak up. We ought to speak truth to this darkened world. We ought to once again stand on biblical ground and pronounce, thus saith the Lord, because those admired in the great sins of our day uh, those uh, children that are being sacrificed on the altar of, of abortion are uh, what's now called child modification, a new term to describe parents who decide, well, uh, their boy wants to be a girl, so they're going to modify his anatomy. And, and I call that child mutilization. We're, yes. we're trying to pass laws in Texas right now and getting incredible resistance to simply say that a, a parent doesn't have the right to take a child that's, that's six years old and modify them physically, uh, which means uh, they they change them for life. Uh, in parts of the world, like the Scandinavian countries, where this has been tried now for a generation, or at least the last 10 years, uh, they're beginning to pull back from such behavior because these children are growing up and they look upon themselves and they, they see what's happened and it's irreversible. And they are committing suicide. I mean, folks, uh, we got to wake up. Uh, the, the gospel... Uh, and the scripture was written to, to all mankind, and we can't isolate it and think, well, this just applies to America. It applies to the world, and as long as we are free in this part of the world, we have responsibility to the rest of the world to push forward and assert freedom and stand up on our for our values in the polling place, elect godly men and women to elected office who will then pass laws that reflect the scripture rather than us pull back and hide and watch this culture continue to sink. 
I'm sick and tired of preachers hiding behind their 51c3, telling me if they speak out on a political issue, they may lose their tax-exempt status. Kaz, there's not a church in the history of America that's ever lost its 51c3. That is nothing but a subterfuge for preachers to hide behind who, in fact, are gutless wonders. It's time for the church to be the church, and pastors have got to lead. Okay, so let me let me ask you this question. You know, there's a Johnson Amendment, and Trump did away with that to the best of his ability, but the, the 501c3 is a, is a valid issue, uh, and so some people would posture that this 501c3 disallows you from speaking about politics. I don't believe that it does, but I, I think it. You, you can't say go vote this uh, for this person, but you can say here's what I'm who I'm voting for and why as on the at the pulpit. So uh, I, I I I'm a little frustrated by the demeanor or lack of demeanor of many in the pastorate because they don't want to lose you know uh, offerings. It, well, let me say this. Now you just changed subject. Offerings is. The 51c3. The 51c3 is a legal entity that a church does not have to have. Uh, Jared Falwell, pastor of one of the greatest churches in America, um, the church there in uh, uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, never had a 51c3. Churches are tax exempt without 51c3s. Our Constitution and our founders designated any monies that went to a church as being non taxable so that the church could remain free and independent of any governmental oversight. Now, when the when the 501c3 was passed, it was passed by Johnson in the dead of night attached to another bill never debated in Congress, and it was primarily targeted toward nonprofit organizations like mine, not churches, uh, in particular the, Buckner, the Hunt family, because the Hunt family had a C3, and they were attacking Lyndon Baines Johnson, uh, taking out huge ads and using tax-free money to attack him, and that's what he was trying to stop. In fact, he never intended it to consequentially be applied to churches. C3 is a legal instrument that churches can and probably should have uh, for other reasons, but a church is tax-exempt without a C3. And once again, let me say emphatically, because I've spent my life studying this, no church in the history of America has ever lost its C3 with the exception of one church. Prairie Creek in New York took out a full-page ad uh, calling basically uh, Bill Clinton to be a liar and a cheat and, uh, and someone who shouldn't be elected to office. They lost their C3 for a short period of time. They simply reconstituted under a new name and got another C3, and then the original one was restored once it went to, uh, to court. Uh, the fact of the matter is, a preacher has the same rights as an ordinary citizen. The way I got around all the controversy for this, I turn to the pulpit and say to my people, now many of you want to know who I'm going to vote for. So I'm speaking now as citizen Rick Scarborough, not pastor of this church. Yes. And, and I would tell them exactly what I was going to vote for because the church wanted to hear what I believed about certain candidates. I often stood and I would tell them, if you want to know who I'm going to vote for, meet me at the West, the West uh, <laughs> exit, and I'll tell you there. I never kept, made it a secret because people wanted to know. Wow. We're, we're, this is a hot topic. We're going to spend a little bit more time talking about this. But uh, it really has to fall upon the boldness or the lack thereof of pastors to be able to communicate right. this in, in a church environment. Uh, and th- then we parishioners or we— um, 
other, you know, the ecclesia, the called out ones, we need to make our stands as well. But I think we re- really need to deal with the pastor point of view and talk a little bit about more more about uh, what pastors are allowed to do and what they're not not allowed to do. And uh, th- this timidity of pastors, we need to look at our. I, I let me tell you this, Rick. I, I'm a guy who loves the pastors of San Diego County all over the different denominations or whatever. That's what Come Together San Diego is all about. But there may be an instance where pastors are innocently or not innocently, you know, steering clear of issues that are biblical, that are causing a real demise. One of them is the freedom for of speech. And so we want to talk more about that in future segments. And I know you'll stick with me as we do so. Rick Scarborough, thank you for setting, kind of opening this can of worms <laughs> We're going to pull some worms out and see how the fishing goes when we come <laughs> right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K Praise. Don't just listen to it, be a part of it at 866 577 2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor. On K-Praise. Well, hello, my friends. We're having a, a fun conversation, but also a very pointed one with uh, Pastor Rick Scarborough out of Texas, a man who knows Scripture, who is a political advocate, and uh, so many other things. He uh, leads Recover America, so that gives you an idea about his heart cry about the recovery of America. By the way, Rick, how, what's the website where people can find out more about Recover America? Uh, it's recoveramerica.com. Recoveramerica.com. Uh, there's a, a plethora of information there. And, uh, they can access books that I've written, and, and uh, including one on this very topic, uh, Mixing Church and State God's Way, I've named it. Uh, and I've been a, a spokesperson, an outspoken person on the need for pastors to get out front for a long time. Uh, always reminds me, I, I get a little too animated, and so uh, I want to soften my tone some and and uh, be a little more amicable. Uh, pastors do have a tough road to, uh, to sled. Uh, they're, they, they have more on their plate than they can say grace over, having pastored uh, three uh, churches in my ministry uh, life. I know what, what a load they carry, and the last thing they need is a controversy with the government. So this 51C3 thing is a very real issue in the minds of pastors. But I want to just encourage them. Uh, there's so much they can legally do and, and not even impact that C3. Um, and if they step over the line, there's numbers of outstanding uh, uh, Christian lawyers now, whole whole uh, armies of Christian lawyers that will come and fight their cause of, for righteousness for free if they happen to step over the line and, and they're challenged. Uh, they don't have to do that alone. Uh, there's Alliance Defending Freedom with more than 100 committed lawyers and, and connection to thousands of lawyers across America who pro bono their time to defend pastors. Uh, there's a Liberty uh, Council with my good friend Matt Staver and a whole bevy of lawyers that work with him. He's never lost a case before the Supreme Court or lesser courts, for that matter. He always wins. Uh, what we need are pastors that, that will step out and be counted. If this is an age that is desperately, and there are people by the millions desperately looking for leaders and that's what pastors have called, been called to do, and that's lead. Uh, these great moral issues of our day need and must be addressed. Uh, 
And uh, if we fail to address them, God's going to hold us accountable for that. So, uh, pastors, let me encourage you. Uh, don't go looking for a fight, but don't run from a fight either. Um, you know, I, I tell pastors, if, if, if you create uh, the controversy, it may overwhelm you and you may sink. But if you walk into a controversy accidentally trying to do what's right, God will always show up, as he did with the, uh, the, the three uh, Hebrew children that found themselves thrown into the burning fiery furnace, uh, as he did with Daniel when he was found praying uh, against the law and wound up uh, being thrown to, to the lions. Uh, God will intervene, and he will stand with us if we do what's right, and in the course of doing what's right, we encounter uh, the weight of the law. Uh, back to this uh, whole thing of the Johnson Amendment, uh, the, the Hunts, a wealthy oil uh, family in Texas, uh, were taking on uh, Lyndon Johnson, who is our senator. And so in the, in the dead of night, attached to a, an appropriations bill, he passed this law, uh, making it illegal for anyone using tax-exempt money to speak out on political issues. The ACLU came along and seized on that and turned it away from just nonprofits, but also churches. And uh, then uh, they developed a spun off of the ACLU, another group called Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Uh, Barry Lynn and I used to debate issues on college campuses back uh, when he was still active with that organization. Um, but uh, what, what they did is they then uh, put this clerical uh, robe on these lawyers who were associated with the ACLU, and they began going after anyone that they saw mixing church and state uh, in any way that they said was they thought was questionable. Uh, what I uh, told pastors across the country and continue to do so is that uh, if you don't want to don't want to be uh, against uh, or, or line up against this law, then operate within the boundaries of it. But there's still so much you can do. You can encourage your people to vote their values. You can put in the heads of your people voter guides that will enlighten them that organizations like my own provide. Uh, lead them to the polls. Uh, tragically right now, Kaz, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, but over half of the people that attend our churches are not even registered. And only half of those who are registered show up on Election Day during a presidential election. Right now in Harris County, our ministry is leading pastors to, to stand up against critical race theory and, uh, and other ungodly educational norms that are being uh, inflicted upon our children in public schools. We have a school board election on November the 2nd. Uh, three of the largest school systems in all of Texas are found right in Harris and surrounding counties. And so 400,000 students will be impacted by elections on November the 2nd. In the, in the Houston Independent School District, the largest school district in Texas with 250,000 students, only about 1% of the eligible voters vote in that school board election. In the last election, 2,500 votes voted, uh, elected one of the radical leftists that sits on our school board. If the church just shows up on election day, we will sweep five of the nine positions and literally uh, Christians will have control of the largest school district in the state of Texas and can immediately impact the lives of a quarter of a million students. We've got to get the church involved, and that's what my whole life is devoted to doing as a minister and as a called pastor, but called to take the church into the political realm. Wow. 
and that that it goes past just the pastoral obligation. Then it comes into the ecclesia, the the, the peoples that are are destined to make a difference by speaking their heart. Um, That's right. You know, you know, there's stories now that are all over the uh, all over uh, in the hidden news that the uh, fake media will not allow us to discover of of people making their stands on school around school boards. You know, it's showing up in, and this is an unprecedented number of people making their stand against a school board or, you know, or any a, a governmental board or whatever it is and saying, no, we're not going to accept that. And just by their sheer numbers, it, it can be a little intimidating for somebody who's got an election coming up soon, you know, and, but, but right. this is not being reported. I, I, I'm excited that there are many people that are becoming bold and making their stand, and they're not going out and they, they're not bringing bricks and rocks and things like that. They're bringing signs, and they, and they, have, and they have their stories to tell, and they're trying to live within the, uh, reg, you know, within the uh, allowances of a, a, a board meeting, but nonetheless, they're there and they're being turned away or ignored. I mean, you're not even hearing this news. And uh, in addition to that, Kaz, just this past week, uh, the attorney general um, uh, released a statement. Uh, Are you talking about uh, Texas now? No, I'm talking about the United oh, States. Oh, the United attorney States. General, okay. Uh, Garland, he, he just released a statement that uh, the FBI is going to be investigating some of these parents as potential uh, domestic terrorists. Uh, now, I don't think he's got a, a, a one leg of constitutional grounds on which to stand because we do have the freedom to speak and we are to uh, to voice our opinion to our elected officials. And that's what these parents are doing. But the intimidation factor uh, that's being leveled against parents who are simply trying to uh, to speak out to what they've learned as the children have been sitting at home and doing their classwork by Zoom as, as opposed to being in the classroom Suddenly, the veil's been removed. These parents see what their teachers are teaching, and they're speaking out. And in comes the full weight of the federal government with a with this latest uh, effort to start quote investigating these parents as bullying these school board members. And in the perhaps you heard this, perhaps you didn't, but in a moment of candor by the left, uh, McAuliffe, uh, who's running uh, for the for governorship for a second time in in the state of Virginia, uh, he just said in a debate that parents had no say or right to say uh, what their children are taught, that that was not their responsibility, that that belonged to the teachers. But it, uh, our founding fathers have to roll over in their grave when they hear statements like that, because the parents still own the child, but the government is right now trying to get between the parent and the child, and they will if there's not enough pushback from the church. Well, that's a good subject to uh, go to a commercial break and uh, to deal with when we come back. Parents have an obligation if they love their student and what the student learns, uh, and they also embrace Judeo-Christian values, they have every right to speak out. And there are repercussions being made known uh, by government. If they do that, they will be identified as a, a terrorist. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what uh, parents can do. It seems like it's hopeless, but it is not hopeless. Rick Scarborough and I are going to talk about that and many other topics when we come right back. 
This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. And I'm back for a second hour with Rick Scarborough. He's a man who is a well-known Christian political advocate. He's a former Texas pastor and uh, founded Vision America and leads Recover America. And Rick, we're in the thick of things right now. And it seems like even though God's kids are starting to make their stand, uh, people that feel that there's some violations in Jude- you know, against the Constitution and the Judeo-Christian values are showing up in large numbers at school board meetings and other uh, local uh, meetings, and they're met with uh, negativity by the board of directors and others. But also, it seems like uh, the government is uh, has a concerted effort against them uh, by virtue of <coughs> sicking the FBI on them as domestic terrorists and things like that. So let's walk this through a little bit more. Uh, there's a lot of things to talk about regarding this. What are the r- true repercussions if the numbers keep you know, increasing as far as people going out and making their uh, voice known and their thoughts known in the school board environment and other local, uh, local uh, even governmental uh, locations? What are the repercussions and what dare we do? Do we run away? Do we make a stand? What what we what might we do, and what are the repercussions? And of course, we also have to include Rick the issue of Holy Spirit intervention, anyway. <laughs> yes. So, Rick, what, what's your insight on that? Well, biblically, parents must show up. You know, the Bible says that if if we offend one of these little ones, it would be better to have a millstone tied around our neck and thrown into the sea. Uh, there's no question that we are commanded by the Lord Jesus to care for our children, ours and others. Uh, You know, for the last uh, 30 or 40 years, uh, many Christian parents have just taken their kids out of public schools. Not all parents can do that, and especially the impoverished of our our society. uh, the, The public school is their only avenue for education for their children. And so, while uh, we Christians have, in many ways, evac- you know, just abandoned the public schools, uh, there's been a growing, or I should say the left, has seen that as a way to indoctrinate their children. I believe it was Karl Marx who said, you give me a child for four years, and I'll give you a communist forever. Uh, Catholics uh, understood way before Protestants the value of taking children and teaching them uh, their biblical understanding. And so Catholics have, were way ahead of, of evangelicals for many generations in educating uh, their children. But now we've got millions and millions of these children trapped in these public uh, schools. Uh, the cost of education has skyrocketed because uh, of the bureaucracy uh, involved and because of the power of the teachers' unions. And so right here in Houston, for instance, they're spending $10,000 per student, and their goal for the third grade in the next four years is to get the, lead, uh, the, the reading level of third graders up from 46% of what they ought to be all the way up to 52%. Now, that's their goal in four years. In the meantime, uh, the, the school system here in Harris County, the HISD, Houston Independent School District, they're $4 billion in debt. 
And so while they spend more money than, uh, than private education to educate those children, it's not enough. Uh, and they're going in debt more and more at taxpayer expense. Well, now that COVID has come along and parents have been able to look over the shoulder of their children and see what they're actually being taught, they didn't like it. And when we began investigating and looking on the website of the HISD, we discovered that contrary to what they were telling parents, they are, in fact, teaching critical race theory, which looks at everything through the lens of race and, and uh, in my opinion, is a racist doctrine. And so parents uh, now becoming aware of that, uh, they're wanting to make changes. And so in Virginia and various places, they're showing up at school board meetings. But what the school boards are doing, because they want to listen to the parents, is they're cutting them off. Uh, they're shutting off their microphone, or they're closing down meetings prematurely. Uh, they make them wait for hours, and then they don't get a chance to speak. And now we discover that a national teachers organization, I think it's called the National Teachers Association, uh, they filed a complaint. Uh, they asked uh, in a letter to, to uh, President Biden to look into the terrorism that parents are bringing to the school boards. And sure enough, he's now uh, authorized the Justice Department to use the full weight of the FBI to investigate parents they deem to be uh, overly aggressive as potential domestic terrorists. Now, this is intended to throw a chill on any parent that doesn't want to get involved at that level with the government. But I say to pastors who care for their flocks, that's where you and I should get involved. We ought to be standing at the podium. We ought to take the risk because I know of hundreds of lawyers that would love to get a hold of that case on the simple grounds of the First Amendment. We have a right to speak and, and, and address our grievances with our government. And there's not a, a court in the land that's legitimate that would, would validate this latest overreach of the federal government trying to tell parents you have no right into the education of your children. It's time to stand up, speak up, and refuse to give up. Okay, so Rick, that, that, that kind of approaches the problem, but the, the question is right now, I think a lot of uh, people with Judeo-Christian values are rising to the occasion, and many of them are making appointments uh, to, uh, for, you know, to speak at school boards or do legal protests and things like that, and and they're being obviously snuffed and snuffed quickly because uh, they the 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 powers that be realize that there's that that you know parents uh, if they show up in numbers they're they're kind of stuck especially if there's a re-election in the immediate future. But how, so let's let's take a, a number of. Uh, people that embrace the Judeo-Christian values and they have decided they're going to meet at, at around school boards or, I don't know, is it appropriate to go to the board members' houses and, and, and show signs? I, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but or are they to be, you know, show fear and just not do this anymore and the bad guys win? I mean, it is a perplexing problem. Maybe there's some you talk about some legal counsel that may be available to these people. So wh really, where do they go in this next step, or do they just kind of wait this well, out, or what do they do? You know, the left knows no boundaries. They follow elected officials right into the bathroom, as we've seen in the last few days on the news. But Christians don't behave that way. We're, we're to do everything in decency and order. 
I do not advocate, do not believe we parents of Christian, we Christian parents should show up at the board member's home. They should have their privacy, but we certainly should show up at the board meeting. We should certainly show up at the ballot box and vote the rascals out if they won't listen to our complaints. We should certainly get involved. And I want to go back to what we've discovered right here in Harris County. Uh, only five, per, only only less than five percent of the eligible voters are showing up at school board elections. I recently talked to one of the most aggressive uh, politicos in our city, a Christian man who spends millions of his own dollars uh, in, in fighting uh, for righteous causes and electing righteous candidates. And when I mentioned the, the school board race, he said, Rick, I've never even thought about the school board races. We've never weighed in on that. And that's kind of the way it's been. We've We've left that for somebody else. Well, the somebody else, it turns out, doesn't love the Jesus we love. The somebody else we discover is, is indoctrinating our children and literally taking away from us. When you look at what's being taught in our public schools, in the junior high and high school age, all the way down to the, the elementary ages, it's no wonder when they get to college, our, our Christian children abandon their faith, yes. at least those who've been involved in this. And, and I must say, much of our Christian education is following suit. Uh, as we've investigated what's being taught in some of these private schools, it's just as bad as the public schools. We need to be mindful that anywhere the salt is extracted, the, uh, the taste of the food uh, is no longer palatable. And anywhere that the salt, which is a preservative, is removed, it soon cankers and, and, and it stinketh. And that's what's happened to public education. Gran Reese, I think, has the perfect solution. She says it's time for us to exit public schools, and I'm on her board for that. Uh, I think that we ought to take our children out of public schools, but we ought not abandon the public schools. Uh, I, I believe the public school is a great place for Christian parents uh, who are educated teachers to go back and begin training and teaching and inflecting their values in their teaching just by their very presence. Uh, we don't totally abandon the public schools everywhere, but if they're not going to change, then we ought to get our kids out of them. And uh, that's what Grant is doing effectively through her public school exit program that I would encourage people to look up uh, on Salt and Light Council's website. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in future segments. But my listening friend, I know if you are a person that embraces Judeo-Christian values and, and, and the freedom of speech rights that are should be for every every American has have those constitutional rights. There's a there's a perplexion here on knowing what the next steps are to do. And one of the things that you know is the common mantra for Christian leaders is to go, "We'll pray about it. We'll pray about it. Or we'll pray about it." But the praying about it is only one part of the equation. Faith without works is dead, and there's got to be some works activity by in, by virtue of this by uh, activation. So. You know, right now there are a, a decent number of people in certain areas that are protesting this kind of a thing and going to school board meetings and that kind of a thing. But there is more that can be done by virtue of this. We've talked a little bit about the public school exit. We'll talk more about that in the next segments. But the, the time together right now is to get together with other people that have shared this belief and come up with a godly strategy and 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 you know you may be friends with uh, a a person on on the board that 
privately would, would say, you know, I agree with you, but I'm pressured. You get two or three of these people that say privately I agree with you and, and, and give them, you know, every reason to make a stand for you, and you might see a move there as well. I mean, there are a lot of different things when Holy Spirit is involved. We're going to talk more about this thing and also the value of doing public schools, I mean, uh, public school exit as well when uh, Rick Scarborough and I come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Cass Taylor. Well, hello, my friends, and uh, an engaging topic. And this is one right exactly where we're finding ourselves right now. We Christians, we realize that uh, the enemy is influencing a lot of people. You, you know, you've got school boards, you've got unions, uh, you've got uh, government officials that have ulterior motives. Uh, things uh, are, are I, I don't think that they ever have ever been worse uh, in, in the history that I remember uh, in uh, my years of uh, school, you know, I was a, 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 the uh, the kind of a, the uh, involved in the, in the uh, school system as a president of the PTA in the my in the distant past. But this this whole thing about nobody even wants to hear the the points of view of uh, of uh, of parents. It's baffling. It's baffling. We want to talk a little bit more about public school exit. I've invited uh, Dran Reese of, uh, of uh, Salt and Light Council to call in. She may or may not be available to do that. <coughs> but where would you like to take this right now, Rick? Well, I expect her to call in. She's been texting me. She better, or we'll both be uh, writing her letters. Ha, 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 ha. She's Come one on, of the most Dran. powerful Come people. On in. <laughs> but in the meantime... Uh, the aggressive nature of evil is unlike anything I've ever lived in my lifetime, uh, Kaz. I, I'm, I'm the oldest I've ever been. I jokingly tell people, uh, 71 years old, um, there was a fear of God that, that permeated our land for my entire life until just in the last five or six years. And uh, it seems now that uh, atheists feel empowered. Uh, they, they have no fear of, of eternal damnation. That's largely because of the nature of the preaching that's been flowing out. You know, when, when I was a young preacher, uh, 24-7, you, you couldn't turn on the radio without finding somewhere some hellfire and damnation preacher who, who uh, put the fear of God in you by just reminding you that hell is real. Uh, ask yourself the question, when's the last time you heard a preacher preach on hell uh, in the churches that you attend? Uh, we have a new generation of preachers who've come along who've been trained in, to be experts in church growth. Uh, we're seeker-sensitive and people-friendly. We don't need to do anything that might make a, a, a stranger feel uncomfortable. And so uh, we dance around uh, much of the gospel. Uh, the crawl, I was recently in a brand-new church building uh, that friends of mine uh, wanted me to come to the dedication of. I left there with a wonderful coffee mug that I'm, I'll be forever grateful for. I use it all the time. But I looked around that new church structure, and you really couldn't find Kaz on the outside or inside. There was no cross. Uh, it, it looked just like a business, uh, any business, other than the fact that they had music that that uh, worshipped God, and they and the, the message I heard was wonderful. Uh, but it was, you know, they didn't want to offend people. 
But I want to remind everyone listening, the cross was meant to be an offense. Uh-huh, yes. uh, it, 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 the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who know Christ and who've been washed in his blood, who value the crucifixion and the resurrection, it's the power of God into salvation. Yes. I think the, 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 the great lacking of prophetic, hard preaching is resulting in a soft church and a, an aggressive evil. My and uh, I have more to say about that if you want to hear it. But well, but I think Dran, uh, Dran, Dran, Dran has joined us, so I think maybe incorporating her because she, she's got some things she wants to say. My, my friend, uh, 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 Dran Reese, and a friend of Rick's as well, Dran Reese is on the line with us. She's, you know, she called Rick Scarborough a, a, a closer. I say she's a closer as well. She's, That's right. She, she listens to God and she obeys, and she's got several different entities that she oversees. Dran Reese, uh, you've been listening to pieces of this conversation, and uh, our, you know, public school exit is one of the many things that you're involved in. Kind of give your overview of where we are in the world today and the credola that the enemy is trying to put in our face, and where do we go from here? Dran, I'm going to engage you to have a conversation, and Rick invites you to, do, to uh, have color commentary with Dran and me. Dran, good to have you. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Kaz. Thank you. And Pastor Rick, thank you so much for being here. appreciate you. And I have to say, I've enjoyed you to this point, and I really want to hear more from you and truly less of me, because what you are saying <laughs> is so true. Well, you're, I, I'm sorry, Dran. But if, you know, there are people in, in the world that uh, make their stands, and there are those who are saying, I wish I could make my stand like that person can, but you can, my listening friend. And Dran Reese is one of those inspirations in that regard. Uh, thoughts, Rick? That is my thoughts. I, I met Dran a number of years ago, and I, over the years I've, I've watched her mature and develop in, in, uh, into an expert in a number of areas. Uh, she and, and her wonderful husband have committed their life and their resources to transforming the culture uh, they've poured uh, out of untold amounts of money and even more in terms of, of, of their giftedness into developing materials for one reason, to give Christians the power to make a difference. And I encourage everyone to go to her website, uh, saltandlightcouncil.org, and, and just look at all the materials that she has personally developed to help Christians voice uh, have a voice in the political realm and stand up for what's right and wrong. Yes, yes. Dran, you know, I've come to know you very well over the years, and one of the things that you really preach is activation. You know, a lot of people just are sitting on the sidelines going, I wish, I wish, uh, and then passively they say, I'd like to become involved in this kind of thing, but they don't make the, they don't activate themselves. And you've got several, you know, I know people who say, well, I would like to get involved in this and that. And some of these things are things that you have made provision for. How, how do you encourage people to take that, that next step to become activated and make their godly stands? Grand Reese. Well, I actually think that oftentimes it's the fire that has to burn their hands before they get involved. <laughs> it's somewhat My. like an earthquake. You know, I keep likening that. People prepare for an earthquake after uh, all their stuff has been lost. Um, and it scares the heck out of them. And I think that's what's happening today is that we're seeing so much of our culture, as Rick, Pastor Rick was talking about. I mean, he, he so eloquently, he's been fighting this fight for many years. 
and and we are traveling together with Liberty Pastors, and I I'm so uh, blessed to be able to partner with him again in this movement. He speaks to pastors, I speak to the citizens in the church, and it's a perfect fit. So. And this is why him being on the board of public school exit is so essential for these times that we're in, because right now this is one of the action items that all parents can can do and something very simple for the church itself to start to engage the community. So as far as getting people actively involved, it has to hurt first. And I think what's happening is we're starting to feel the pain. Yeah, it's getting close to hurting. <laughs> it's, it's hurting everywhere. And I think Pastor Rick can really speak to this. I mean, he... he, he you know, he talks to pastors, and he talks to—he's out there speaking all the time on this issue. So I i would love to hear what Pastor right. Rick has to say about this. And I would just add to that what Van is saying. It's the same with pastors. Uh, what I've done over the years is, is wait till something uh, is, is a white-hot topic for preachers and then go to that state and activate them. Yes. Because if it's just a routine— they're not going to do the things we ask them to do. But when, when, when the fire gets hot and they feel the heat, then they want to find tools uh, to do something about it. So she's very right about that. Well, it, see, it seems like we're working on two fronts. Well, actually, a third front as well. We may or may not have time to talk about that. But the two fronts are activating the pastors and activating uh, the body of Christ, the, what we would call the uh, ecclesia uh, as well. I know, Dren, that you have some plenty of resources, and you've put it upon yourself and your team. You've got a remarkable team that will actually go out, and they will train people on what to do. And I, I suspect you talked about uh, Rick Scarborough uh, doing similarly with pastors. So you guys have a remarkable one-two punch. And uh, do you think the heat is hot enough for people to make that action right now? Or what are you seeing as far as people volunteering um, Rick, and what are you seeing as far as volunteers, Dren? Well, I, I would say if they go to our website and see some of the slides of what we've taken right off of the of the uh, school board website, uh, and then uh, look at their own websites. Uh, I'll guarantee they'll, they'll feel the heat. Uh, we've got pictures that we show uh, churches now, and I'll be doing it in the morning uh, as I go to preach. I'll, I'll throw these slides up of of transgender hour where they're bringing transgenders in. Uh, I'll show pictures from the website of HISD where they teach the children what hormones they have to take to change their body. And, uh, and, and beyond that, they'll take them to Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is not aborting as many babies. Their new growth industry is mutilating children, I know. modifying them, as they I'm, like to say. I'm going to pull yeah. the reins here because we've got a commercial break uh, happening here. Dren, would you stay with us as well? Well, I'd love to. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. So Rick Scarborough, Dren, Reese, and I will talk about the things that the evil people are doing and how we can uh, stand in the midst of that and circumvent it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, welcome back, my friends, and uh, new uh, insights from an additional person that has joined us on the air. Compelling topic, uh, basically, what do we do about the, uh, the enemy coming in like a flood? <laughs> the Bible talks about 
when the enemy comes in like a flood, uh, the, the uh, Lord will raise a standard against uh, him and wh- or whoever that enemy is. And what I've observed here, we've got Dran Reese with Salt and Light Council and kind of the uh, inspiration behind public school exit and um, biblical voter and, you know, j- just the whole uh, content of character series and things like that. You need to check those things out if you... Um, you go to Salt and Light Council. Is it Salt and Light Council dot org? Org. That's what I thought. So, but Dran and Rick Scarborough, who who is a guy who really takes the kind of a political point of view, but also loves to come alongside of pastors and be an inspiration. What I have seen on this the last segment is kind of uh, inspirational to me. I'm seeing Rick. You kind of have targeted uh, talking with pastors and encourage them to uh, take a higher plane and be more activated. And Dran, you really work a lot with the the parishioners, uh, people that are, you know, in maybe administration or other people that are just uh, in a church environment. And the two of you together make a pretty unstoppable team. And when I when I saw this, I said, Lord, this is really a pattern for the what uh, we out in the world are doing. If you, my listening friend, are a, a member of a church environment, for example, uh, and have relationships with pastors and other leaders, you can impact like Dran is encouraging uh, parishioners to be impacted. And my friend, if you are a pastor or an administrator, uh, then you can be impacted based on what Rick uh, has done. And, but the whole the key is coming together one with another. And when uh, when you got two or more together, you know, God's right there in the midst of it. So would you, Dran, like to speak to that? And then Rick also... In this segment, I, I, here's what the bottom line on, on this show. I want to have everybody realize that it's not over. It's not over. The God of yesterday, today, and forever is still around. And he, he's a miracle-working God. We do what God calls us to do and then entrust him to intervene uh, as well. And it's a partnership not only horizontally with pastors and uh, people in the congregation and other saints, but it's a three-way uh, agreement because the Lord will intervene on areas where we're not able to impact. So uh, speak a little bit to that, would you, Dran, and also Rick. And then my my friends, what I want you to have is a confidence that God is in control and he has put different people, including you, in place to be activated. So thoughts, Dran? Well, I was just tagging on to what we were talking about in the the section before. Rick was talking about uh, showing uh, the pastor's the transgender and yes. the various pictures, and this gets the pastor to understand what's really happening to our children in the public schools. So this is what we do as well, but this is what Rick does extremely well. He is a he's a man's pastor, and men want to hear from men. They want to know that they're that men are taking the, their post as the moral guides of America, and they're stepping forward to lead their congregations. I, you know, I, I look at who I am. I'm, I'm female. I'm a woman. And I really want our men to lead. If the men were leading, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in right now. So I appreciate pastors speaking to other pastors and showing them the bills and legislation and encouraging them to get involved. Now, once they decide that they're going to get involved, this is where we come in. The pastor can't do it all. We can't expect him to know every single issue out there. By having a salt and light ministry in their church or a leader in their church who is 
capable of doing the administrative work and to tag on these issues and then bring them before the congregation. What you have is a perfect match, a perfect team, and this is how, or at least one of the ways in which we can begin to engage every church in the culture. I have to say, Kaz, it is happening. It is happening. And it is happening. Pastor Rick, our, our programs with pastors going, you know, state to state, we are finally seeing the fruit of all the labor that we, we've yeah. done together over these years. I'm excited about it because they are starting to see that now is the time. Well, and what I would add to that, uh, Kaz, is when, when I'm successful uh, and finally get a pastor's attention, and that's, I tell people we spend 80% of our resources getting 20% of the pastors in a room, but of the 20% that show up, 90% sign on because uh, they know that there's an emergency. And when they do, the, the next step then is to get their people equipped. And that's where Grand's ministry comes in because she has literally the materials. She has uh, the workbook uh, that can make a church uh, turn from just watching the world go by to literally engaging the world and changing the world. So uh, it is a hand-in-glove operation. Uh, what what Dran provides is what every church needs, uh, but it, it will it it has to it has to realize its need. You know, pastors are are trained and rightfully so to be soul winners and how to lead in praise and worship and how to teach the Bible. But when we begin to apply the whole Scripture and the whole counsel of God to our people we then see that there's a ministry of government, that there's a calling to political office, that the church wasn't to, to, to step aside from that, because if we do, we'll get what we've got. But if we want to change our country, then we've got to put godly men and women in office, and the only ones that are going to do that are those who know who God is, the church. And so we get the pastor engaged, then we bring in the materials that Grant has developed, ideally, and the church then has the tools to do the thing we're asking the pastor to do so he can carry on his ministry without being distracted by lesser things. Yes, yes, yes. And the other the other component, and, you know, we're Bible-believing Christians, so we have to realize that the God of yesterday is the God of today, the God that uh, parted the Red Sea, the God, the God that uh, walks on water, can, can do, you know, be transported from one location to another, can show mighty acts, that that God is still around today. The only apprehension is God wants to have teamwork, not only him doing this, but him doing it through his saints, through his pastors and through his leaders. So if there's an area that seems to be insurmountable to you, Pastor, if there's an, an area where it seems to be insurmountable to you, parishioner, uh, or, you know, Ecclesia. The truth of the matter is, this is prime time for God's intervention, and we're in a place right now where God wants to intervene more than you can know. But He's looking for people to make that step. You know, going through the Jordan River, the the priest that was carrying the ark, the first guys probably got up to their nostrils before God uh, parted it so they could walk through. There's a there's a point of having faith and saying, "I'm going to do this because God is true." And all of a sudden, God intervenes. As God intervenes, look out, world, and that's I think uh, one of the things God is saying. He's saying. I'm w- willing to do this. Pastors, get involved. Parishioners, get involved. So that's where Salt and Light Council and uh, many of the other ministries that are tied to that and people like uh, Rick Scarborough come into play, saying, take the step, pastors. Take the step, parishioners, because God will intervene. 
Any thoughts on that? We've got about a minute in this segment, and yeah, I'd like to continue back this. On that, Kaz. Yes. Let me just piggyback on that. Two things I always tell pastors. God does his best work just after a crucifixion. Oh, my. And the second thing is this. Light shines the brightest in the darkest night. That's where we are as a culture. It's, it's a perfect time for the third great awakening. It is indeed. Can we talk more about this? Grant, stay with us for this last segment as well. The Great Awakening. A lot of pa- a lot of pastors, a lot of parishioners, or uh, the, the ecclesia feel like there's about ready to, to launch something that's going to be remarkable, and it's going to it's going to be um, it's going to change the lives of, of people throughout the the world. And it's a I think there's no reason why it should not start in the United States of America, and there's no reason why it should not start with you, my listening friend. We're going to talk <laughs> more about this when we come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Welcome back, my friends, to the closing segment of Come Together San Diego and a riveting topic. And in some ways, it's frustrating because we know uh, the enemy has strategies to curtail uh, Judeo-Christian values, but also uh, Jews and Christians in that curtailment as well. And in the United States of America, it seems like we have a government gone awry. We've got uh, the school system and uh, different uh, boards of directors and different unions and medical things. Everything seems to be going a bit awry here. Let's say not a bit, but significantly so. And the pressing question of the day is, what do we do and what does God do? And I have with me my co-host, He's a doctor and a pastor, Pastor Rick Scarborough, uh, and he's really taking the side of communicating with pastors. And Dran Reese of Salt and Light Council is with us as well. And one of her roles is coming alongside of the parishioners, uh, the ecclesia, the called out ones, and say, saying, get uh, empowered as well. You know, guys, I'm going to set you loose, loose on uh, giving some insights on this, but I was just scrolling, scrolling through Scripture and one of my favorite scriptures is found in First uh, Chronicles uh, chapter fifteen. And it, it here's the here's the picture. You know the 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 believers were doing what they thought and knew to do. They were at being activated as best they could, and it still looked like it was a challenging moment. Where the, and the Bible says, and then it came to pass that God helped the Levites that bear the Ark of the Covenant. In other words, if you are properly bearing the Ark of God's presence upon your shoulders as it should be, pastors, and if you are doing so, parishioners, then you have to understand that God will help you in accommodating and accomplishing this. Sometimes we go, you know, and I know, I know Dred and I have had conversations that's going, you know, when you do all you do, all you can do, what then if there's no activity there from, from the parishioners or if there's no activity there from the pastors? If we have an understanding that God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever, then he will intervene for us if we make our stands. So, uh, Rick, I'll have you talk to this, and then Adran have some insights as well as we close this. I also want you both to give some website information as we go. Rick? Well, Ken, as I often tell pastors, the only thing God expects of them 
is for them to do what they can, when they can, where they can, as well as they can, for as long as they can. That's all, <laughs> That's all God expects. And uh, we laugh at that, but it, uh, and uh, it's meant to be humorous, but it's true. We, we pray for God to restore our country, but we're not even showing up to vote. We don't even uh, encourage our, member, our membership. Uh, we, have, we have mature men and women in our, in our churches that, that are capable of providing leadership to a country. You know, in Isaiah chapter 3, God shows that uh, he lists the nine signs of a nation in decline. And then the rest of Isaiah is God's judgment on a nation, and it's a tragic story that unfolds. Yes. But, but in the center part of that, of that chapter, he, he says, that in that day, they will come and, and say, you have means, let this ruin be under your hand. And the response will be, I don't, don't call on me. I'm too busy. I don't want to be the one. And, uh, and the point of that is apathy. Uh, I, I never will forget one of my teachers along the way uh, said, uh, can anyone in this room define uh, what apathy means? And then she wrote on the chalkboard, I don't know and I don't care. And <laughs> in fact, that's what apathy means. And uh, that's where the church is when it comes to our country. We, we, we hate the direction she's going in. Uh, we curse the darkness. We look at open borders right here on the southern edge of Texas where 1.2 million people have invaded our country in the last six months, bringing with them every form of, of illicit drug, uh, not to mention sex trafficking, uh, and, and no one in our government willing to do what they could do to stop it. And yet uh, we look at that and we wring our hands, all right, it's not going to stop until someone says, I'll stop it. You know, Satan never gives back ground that he's stolen. It has to be taken back. Wow. And it's time now for the church to rise up and say enough is enough and begin to take back the ground. Oh, my, my. I, I, I agree with you, and I know Dran does. Dran? Well, very well said. I, 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 so many things I wanted to say at every step that when you were talking, but all I could think about is the story of the starfish on the ocean. You just pick up, you know, when when all the starfish, and there was a little boy out there, he would pick up one starfish at a time, and he says, well, you know, you, you can't save all of them, he says, but I can save this one. Yes. And so that's how I feel, or where I think we are. I totally agree with Rick that we've let it go too far. But more than that, we've allowed the wrong people in office, and we've had some tremendously horrible policies over the last few years that have led our country to this type of, political structure where we're groaning under the heavy weight of these tyrants who are ruling over us, and they seem to think that they can keep on getting away with all sorts of mandates and jabs in our arms and God knows what else. But it is time. I think the, that we, because of all of this, because the pressure is on so much, we're in a cooker, pressure cooker, that the people that are going to speak up with a loud voice are going to speak up with a loud voice. And the rest will take some position somewhere along the, the line. I think that revival is really just one person at a time. We're looking for that one person in a church with a pastor. We're looking for that one pastor. And you're right, there may, there may be only 20% of the the uh, 100% of pastors out there, are. but that's all we need. We're in a Gideon moment. And I love to watch God work right now. I really love it. And it, it is amazing. He is 
he is doing what Rick said. He's allowing those of us who are uh, the light to shine a lot brighter in a very dark time. I see some miracles about to happen. Oh, I do too. I'm watching them before my eyes. On the one hand, it is so dark, and you you literally just want to take a baseball bat to literally (laughs) government officials. I'd like to put them all over my knee and spank them or or more. But um, on the other hand, I'd also like to sit down with them and just stroke their face and say, you know not what you're doing. May I share with you what you're doing? Do you have children? So I think that new strategies are going to be coming forward as long as we, the Christians, are sensitive to his leading and open ourselves and avail ourselves to that. Yes, yes. We've got about two minutes left in this show. Could I get some contact information from both of you? My listening friend, I want you to take note of the contact information that both of these people are going to be giving you. Because, you know, if if you've been complaining about the way things are going right now and you haven't been activated yourself, then there's no room for you to complain because you're, you're not doing your part. And God is looking for us to be obedient and do our part. At that juncture, that gives him the, the, the desire to come among us and do his part. But uh, oftentimes he waits for us to make our move first as obedient kids or <laughs> disobedient kids. Uh, content or uh, information for people to get a hold of you, uh, Rick Scarborough. Yes, uh, our website is recoveramerica.com, recoveramerica.com, and our uh, office number is 936-615-7020. Again, 936-615-7020. And once again, the website? Recoveramerica.com. Com. RecoverAmerica.com. And just a very brief overview of the stuff they can find there, just quickly, and then I have Dran do the same. Well, there's uh, all kinds of materials. There are sermons uh, that have been archived. There are videos. Uh, you can actually watch five minutes of the special uh, that uh, CNN produced on our ministry trying to take us out uh, called God's Warriors. Uh, we captured five minutes of it. I used it to introduce our ministry now. It's, <laughs> I wear it like a badge. So the enemy thought for evil, and God used it for good. That's same right. same with you, Dran Reese, Salt and Light Council. Give us the website clearly, and tell us what other things they can find like there, like Biblical Voter uh, and Public School Exit and uh, Content of Character and things like that. I'll tell you what, my friend, if you, if you have the— the tweaking of your heart right now that you really need to step out. This is the way to do that. Dran Reese, how do people get find out more about the multitude of things that are offered through the ministries that, that you participate suite, in? We have a suite of ministries, so they all work together to do different things. To find all of the suite, go to salt, not pepper, salt, and <laughs> A-N-D, light, not dark, but light, council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L dot org, salt, and lightcouncil.org. And if you want to email me, just put a DRAN in front of it, D-R-A-N, at saltandlightcouncil.org. But I do want your listeners. The last time I was on your show, Kaz, I mentioned publicschoolexit.com at the very end, and we had 91 signups, 91. And I want to make sure your listeners out there understand that there is a solution for you and your children. You do not have to allow them to be captive in these indoctrination camps. We have a solution at publicschoolexit.com, and 
you can also find this information as well on recoveramerica.com. And Rick Scarborough is an amazing speaker, and if you're a pastor out there, you should invite him to your church. My, my. Well, my listening friend, it's time for us to go. Dran Reese, uh, thank you so much for I- coming and uh, giving us some insight. We were hoping that you would call in. And, of course, uh, Rick Scarborough, a uh, mighty man of God as well. My listening friend, we've given you tools, and if you uh, activate yourself in these tools, that is telling God, okay, we're serious about this. And he says, <laughs> my dear ones, that's all I was waiting for. Watch what I can do and look out world because God is on the move because his kids, that's you and I, are on the move. My friends, thank you. And uh, Rick, thanks for joining us. And Dran Reese, thank you for joining us. Uh, honor to have them on the air. And my friend, it's an honor to have you listening. We'll be back again next week. God bless you. Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on Praise. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.